2: Welcome to another edition of the Star Podcast. My name is Bryson Treese, and the show is presented by InsideTheStar.com. It is day one of free agency in the NFL in 2017, and I have staff writer Sean Martin and RJ Ochoa with me here today just to go over some quick updates on what's happened with the Cowboys and uh, you know some other related notes as well today. How are you doing today, Sean?
1: I am doing great. Happy to be here, and uh, you know we haven't been able to do any kind of podcast or radio appearance when the three of us are together, but here we
2: are ready to go yep 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 it's the first time we've had me sean and rj all on the same airwaves
0: how are you doing today rj i am tired my eyes hurt a lot from reading twitter all day long um and uh i've talked to sean a lot today to get a lot of things out for the site uh so i'm i'm just ready to go to sleep honestly you know, I can totally understand that. I'm not a huge
2: Twitter person, but I have been glued to it for most of the day, and it's like every five
0: seconds I'm updating. It's been so much fun. Uh, days like today are why Twitter is just so awesome. I, I really, I talk about that all the time. I think they like moments like this are enhanced by the experience of Twitter. And I, you know, it's exhausting, but it's a whole lot of fun.
2: Yeah, and I caught your uh, Ocho Live episode today too, covering all of the free agency moves in the NFL and. uh There's some interesting things happening around the NFL right now. And, you know, I don't want to beat around the bush. We're just going to jump right to it. Tony Romo has stolen the headlines today, right?
0: I, uh, yeah, I mean, there's some, there's some other things, you know, like Tony's like the turkey at this Thanksgiving and I like other parts of Thanksgiving and I like the stuffing and everything, but Tony is the turkey. Tony is definitely the turkey, and
2: unfortunately, he's still in all these headlines without anything actually happening. The closest action that's actually happened today regarding Tony Romo is really just speculation. It's just a close proximity thing with the Houston Texans trading their quarterback, Brock Osweiler, to the Browns in return for two draft picks and giving a draft pick or getting a draft pick in return. And it's one of those things that's funny to me because the Browns aren't even planning on keeping the guy.
0: Yeah, I mean, what do you make of that? I, I mean, so many people, myself included, immediately jumped to the conclusion of, well, they're clearing space for Romo and this and that and whatever. But mm-hmm. ultimately, you know, I've, I've got a buddy that's a, a big Texans fan, and he said, well, you know— we wouldn't make this move without some sort of assurance that we're getting Romo, right? And I I was just like, well, why wouldn't you? I mean, the Texans did, uh, apart from Tony Romo, the Texans didn't want anything to do with Brock Osweiler. So while it does make sense, I don't know that it does necessarily mean the writing is on the wall for Romo to go there because they just simply don't want anything to do with Brock Osweiler, regardless of who their quarterback is in 2017. If it's Romo, cool. But I think that this move uh, is really more about them and about freeing themselves and exercising Brock Osweiler from them.
2: Yeah, and you mentioned your friend who's a Houston, Texas fan, and that's uh, actually Jimmy Gilesethna, who put out an article this evening on slantsports.com talking about the trade and how it's good for everybody. And, you know, he brings up Tony Romo as one option, even though reports are coming out from beat writers in Houston that the Texans aren't interested in trading for Romo, but they will pursue him as a free agent if that happens. But he also brings up the possibility for them to trade for Kirk Cousins or Jimmy Garoppolo out of New England. And in either case, it leaves them able to draft a quarterback and not be overpaying that position already like they were with uh, Brock Osweiler and Tom
0: Savage. It's it's an interesting position the Texans are in. I mean, um, it feels like at the end of the Shawshank Redemption, uh, when Andy Dufresne crawled through that tunnel, and, uh, you know, it's, it's sort of just being rained on and and feeling liberation for the first time. And it's been a long year of crawling through that tunnel for the Houston Texans. And I think those are all options. And honestly, if I'm the Houston Texans, I probably prioritize Kirk cousins over anybody because Kirk cousins is an answer and a solution for me for the foreseeable future, not just a two to three year bridge like Tony Romo could be.
2: Yeah, it's definitely time for the Texans to either get busy living or get busy dying. Um, Sean what do you think about that what do you what do you make of it do you think there are any other options because I mean as the quarterback market plays out you could have a uh, Colin Kaepernick or an Alex Smith that's available out there
1: too. It's just a, a change of face in terms of the one constant here when it comes to the Houston Texans and the quarterback position is that Brock Osweiler wasn't going to be good enough I mean that much is pretty clear in terms of the turnovers that he made to bring that defense onto the field more times than it needed to be and the Texans have a championship defense and no quarterbacks to get him to that championship. The only quarterback that's out there that could probably do that, you know, is Tony Romo, who we're here really to talk about. But there are some other guys in terms of the Kaepernicks and the Kirk Cousins that you mentioned that are just a fresh face that can inspire some hope that isn't Brock Osweiler. And you know, I think of Cowboys fans are out here on Twitter and as RJ said I've also been active on Twitter all day. You know, Cowboys fans Every year around this time when Philly Agency gets going, they just want the team to sign somebody. We just want anybody to be a new Cowboy. And I'm sure that there's Texans fans out there that just want anybody to be the new quarterback and preferably someone young that they can develop or somebody that they can go win with, which is why Romo was so intriguing.
2: Absolutely. And as Cowboys fans, I mean, we're kind of pulling our hair out already. It happens every year now with the Cowboys because we aren't getting any new Cowboys right now. Instead, we are losing Cowboys. Uh, first up this morning, we got news that uh, Terrell McClain was going off to the Redskins on a four-year deal worth $21 million. And on the last episode of the podcast, Zach Fields was actually mentioning that the Redskins tend to be kind of hoarders. They're to collect a lot of pieces on the defensive line. And they're obviously no stranger to the Cowboys' former players, you know, like Jason Hatcher. So, I mean, what do you make of uh, Terrell McClain going to the Redskins? And uh, what do you think that opens up for the Cowboys, RJ?
0: Well, I think that... For a year now, the Cowboys have had a precarious amount of depth at the defensive tackle position. You know, you think Cowboys, you think defensive line, and, and you kind of roll your eyes. But the Cowboys were rolling with Terrell McClain. They brought in Cedric Thorne. That was their, their big free agent, so to speak, from a year ago. They drafted Malik Collins. They didn't know what Tyrone Crawford was going to be or Jack Crawford. So they had a lot of a lot of talent to work with there. Um, and, and so Terrell McClain leaving, you mentioned Jason Hatcher. You know, I wrote this post for the side. I mean— I wrote that he's just Jason Hatcher 2.0, and that's kind of what it is. I mean, he wears the same number, number 97. He had a... an interesting, you know, somewhat successful year in his contract year with the Cowboys and he defected to a division rival in the Washington Redskins. That's a poor scheme fit for him. I think um, you know, everybody was in love with the idea of bringing Terrell McClain back because he was so successful at times in 2016, but ultimately Terrell McClain was a bridge uh for the Cowboys. He he was a bridge to get to your foundation which is Malik Collins. And so I think you'll miss him, but I don't think um, I'm not going to lose any sleep tonight over the fact that Terrell McClain is playing in Washington, who who just fired their general manager. That's how firm of a situation Terrell McClain's entering, that they just fired their general manager. So, cap your trails. Well,
2: not to mention the Redskins just uh, franchise tag Kirk Kirk Cousins, and reports are coming out that they're not anywhere close on an agreement.
0: Yeah, it's a situation of dysfunction, and, you know, if, uh, maybe Terrell McLean's watched House of Cards. He liked the way the D.C. area looked, and you know, have, you know, enjoy it. But uh, I think it's a, a, an interesting decision if somebody wants to have success.
2: Yep, go say hello to Claire and Francis for us. Um, as far as the defensive line goes, that wasn't the only move. We also lost Jack Crawford to Atlanta on a three-year deal. So while we had that depth, and it was a luxury that I think a lot of us took for granted. We're losing a little bit of that depth, and it's not—it's not necessarily at crucial positions. But both of those guys were starters for us in 2016. So, Sean, what do you think of Crawford taking off?
1: Well, he's the perfect Rob Marinelli guy, as you heard on our past uh, Star podcast here with Kevin talking about. You know, he hit that nail right on the head when it comes to Crawford being able to get after the quarterback off the edge, and also being able to potentially, you know, mitigate the loss of a Terrell McLean because he has that ability to to line up as a defensive tackle as well. So it is a loss that's worth talking about in terms of because he does have that ability to play two different positions. But at the same time, you just started talking about, you know, the numbers game when it comes to this defensive line and we're expecting them to make improvements there. Well, the only way you can make improvements is by adding some real talent to this defensive line. Do you have enough numbers to add talent and also keep these bridge players like McLean and Crawford? And I think that answer all along and RJ can talk about this as well, was going to be a pretty clear no. You know, they're going to have to move on for some guys in order to upgrade the position. So defensive tackle is still a strength, and you don't need Jack Crawford to play as a defensive tackle anymore. And in terms of defensive end, you know, were you really getting any edge rush ability from a guy like Crawford, who's just kind of that try-hard guy on the edge can we go get a Charles Harris or a Carl, Carl Austin or a Tack McKinley, you know, a guy who's actually going to show some pass rush moves and he's going to make Cowboys fans say, oh, you know, this is what defensive end is supposed to do. As opposed to Crawford you know, getting there every now and then, and he'll go do that with the Atlanta Falcons it'd be a really nice part of that team. But the Cowboys know what they have to do in terms of moving on from these guys, and that's why they are okay moving on from some bridge players and looking ahead to this draft.
2: Yeah, you can't stay the same and progress. So you know, RJ, do you think we're really losing anything with Jack Crawford leaving?
0: I mean, Sean said at best that he's a great Rod Marinelli guy, and this isn't an indictment against Rod Marinelli. Believe me, I I believe a lot in him. But Rod Marinelli's guys are sort of these hybrids or, or these question marks these these guys with position flex that you don't really know what they are. Jack Crawford, we've seen him line up inside and outside, and you know, be flashes of a guy here and there, and he's Rod Marinelli's guy and that he can be used anywhere, but he's never truly been dominant in, in one phase of, of pass rush. And so, I mean, I agree with you that it sucks to lose that level of depth. Um, And it's a, I don't want to say it's a scary game, but it's a, it's an interesting game. The one the Cowboys are playing along the defensive line, but they were prepared to lose Jack Crawford last season. I mean, he visited with the Pittsburgh Steelers. He ultimately came back on his one year deal. And I mean, it, it's it's something that, you know, you kind of just, you know, air pump your fist like shucks. But, um, you know, it, it's nothing that's, that really sets you back. And, and he's a fan favorite. He's a cool guy. He's got a cool Twitter handle, sacrilegious. But other than that, I mean, it's nothing, you know, nothing special.
1: It's nice to see that the Cowboys are really, you know, ahead of these moves because you talk about the type of players that they could target in free agency because we know they're not going to make the big splashes, the type of guys they target. Or the Terrell McLeans and the Jack Crawfords of other defensive lines when it comes to fill-in guys that can make an impact, but they're still not going to completely dictate what you have to do in the draft. Well, they're ahead of that because in last year's draft, I got potentially a long-term starting free technique in Malik Collins, who has all the room to grow at a really important spot in Marinelli's scheme. here, a really exciting future for him out of Nebraska, a third-round pick. So you got out ahead of, of what you just lost in McLean, and then I already talked about how Crawford can line up as a tackle as well. So there's again where you look to a guy like Collins and you're also going to probably kick Tyrone Crawford back inside. And then when we get to around the third, fourth round of this year's draft, yeah, go ahead and add another tackle and you're ahead of schedule once again. So this team strategy is really starting to pay off in terms of the guys that they want to keep and the guys that they want to move on from. Would you have liked to keep either Crawford or McLean, Sure, but they're both gone, and I don't think we're losing sleep over the fact that neither of them are going to be Cowboys next year. So that's where we're at.
0: The other interesting thing is that Cowboys didn't draft either of these players, and they'll likely get two compensatory picks back for them. I mean, so the Cowboys understand exactly how to acquire free agents and exactly who to let go and exactly how to, you know, ultimately get the best bang for their buck, which is a smart thing.
2: Yeah, they're gaming the system very effectively. Now, it may not look all that effective sometimes, like right now our secondary is in trouble because we've got Brandon Carr, Morris Claiborne, J.J. Wilcox, and Barry Church all out on the open, and actually Barry Church is already saying he's going to sign with Jacksonville on a four-year deal, and J.J. Wilcox is heading off to the Buccaneers to at least visit with them. Uh, What do you think our chances are of bringing back Church or
0: Wilcox? Well, Barry Church is, is effectively gone, might have already signed, so I mean, again happy trails to him but J.J. J. Wilcox I think it was Brandon George of the Dallas Morning News reported that the Cowboys don't have any interest in bringing him back and so that's a little bold when you consider that Barry Church and J.J. Wilcox have been around for a little while but obviously this team has a great amount of faith and confidence in Byron Jones and you know if they are to the point that they have no interest in J.J. Wilcox I mean we're talking about a guy when the 53-man roster was set and he was on it a large contingency of Cowboys Nation was upset. So, I mean, we you know, there's still Jeff Heath, uh, who many people are a fan of, and you know, Kayvon Frazier, last year's sixth round pick, who it, it was thought to be Barry Church's heir. So, it, while it sounds scary, I mean, it sounds terrifying. I, I get that. I, I honestly feel feel okay. I mean, I don't feel as, as scared as I think the average person, just because. Will McClay and the Cowboys Brain Trust have shown this exact same disposition for a few seasons now, and we're talking about a team that two of the last three years was two games away from the Super Bowl.
1: It's mm-hmm. not a significant yeah. worry, but I do worry that moving on from J.J. Wilcox is a move that kind of forces this team to have their hands tied behind their back a little bit in the draft. And, you know, I say that because already we were expecting them to either have to draft corners or safeties or anywhere in the secondary address those positions high in the draft. But this is a draft where you can get those positions pretty much throughout and find some quality starters there. And then you do already have a rookie player in Kayvon Fraser who's basically going to have you know his rookie season come this year since he didn't do a whole lot in 2016. And then you have Byron Jones as your long-term starter there. So the pieces are in place for the Cowboys secondary to continue to be built. But part of that building process, I would have liked to have J.J. Wilcox and the continued development that he's shown to finally get something out of him but nonetheless if he goes and ends up being a good player somewhere else we're just gonna to have to look at who the cowboys took in at 28 and 60 and these high picks in the draft you can certainly expect to go to the secondary and i don't think there's going to be a whole wave of people complaining i don't think there'll be anybody complaining really saying oh you know they only made that draft pick because they didn't resign wilcox even if you did resign wilcox you need help in the secondary. You have to go up against big-time receivers if you're going to win in the playoffs and things like that. And so the talent's going to be there to be added. The board is going to dictate that those are the positions we need to look at anyway.
2: Yeah, and you know, going back to the the whole narrative for this 2016 defense, it was all about, it was all about the legion of whom. There were no big-name guys on this defense. And I think the fact that we're losing a few of them really just amounts to we're going to have at least the same defense in 2017 that we had in 2016 so i don't think these moves make a huge difference because they're guys that are interchangeable on the offense i think it's even more so of that case because ronald leary has gone off to denver on a four-year deal and i'm actually happy to say that he's got a four-year deal for 35 million with 20 million guaranteed because ron leary deserves it i mean can you think of a guy on our team who deserves it more that we could do without
1: the cowboys would have been in a lot of trouble um, without Ron Ole handling the situation the way he did when it comes to the summer of training camp, expecting to, you know, lose his job to Lyle Collins, but then when Lyle Collins got hurt early in the season, Ron Lee was just starting left guard and was able to perform admirably well and do everything he needed in protecting your rookie quarterback in Dak Prescott. You know, we all talked about how if Tony Romo was a starter for this year's team, you know, would he gonna be able to do a well enough job protecting him? Well you started a rookie back there Would Dak Prescott had been nearly as effective if he was getting pressure in his face over the left guard position every single snap. It was never a question because Ron Leary just handled everything so incredibly well and he's going to be missed. But we're also happy that he was able to get the recognition he did out on the open market because of the Denver Broncos.
0: I think yeah. I think Ron Leary is, is really interesting when you look at this because... One, I, I agree with both of you. It's it's easy to be happy for him because of the way he, he handled this whole thing. Uh, we all know about the bad blood that was sort of brewing around training camp last season and about when Mrs. Leary was not happy with the article that I wrote uh, on the site. That was a, a scary time in my life. But, um, <laughs> you know, I I'm, I think we're all happy for Leary. And I I can't remember the last time we were this universally... Happy and and almost proud of a free agent uh, leaving for another team. And I think we're all also selfishly happy because with Ron Leary leaving comes another compensatory pick. But the thing that I think is sort of being disguised by the pride and the joy for Ron Leary is what the Cowboys did. The Cowboys refused to you know, been to the request of Ron Leary in training camp, they, you know, insisted on maintaining that depth and they ended up needing it. Uh, And it ended up being fantastic and a huge part of a campaign that saw them go 13 and three and, you know, be one of the top teams in the NFL. And they turned him into what will likely be a third or fourth round compensatory pick. And so, You know as we sit here brewing on what's going to happen with Romo what are the Cowboys doing with the secondary I mean the Ron Leary example I think is a great one that proves this front office knows how to handle these situations especially ones that are close to the vest emotionally like Ron Leary was and you know with everything that went down with him
2: yeah I definitely agree on that and you know it's it's one of those times right now where we have to deal with the Tony Romo deal and You know, I mean, there's a lot being said right now. I was going through Twitter earlier, and everybody's going back and forth on, is the team handling this right? Are they handling it wrong? Is Tony Romo involved a great deal or just a little bit? Because we were hearing last night that they were going to release Tony today, and then they come out today, and it's all about trying to build up a trade market for him between the Broncos and the Texans and anybody else who wants to throw into that ring. You know, so I'm I'm looking at it, and I'm wondering,
0: how long is this going to drag out? What do you think, RJ? I think this is really... Really interesting and fascinating, but you know more to the point of of the cowboys operating like a business like they did with Ron Leary, because, like you said, on Wednesday, we were all prepared for Thursday. you know it, it felt like like you know opening your Twitter feed felt like going to a funeral, uh, just you know every waking moment looking for the moment that, that Tony Romo was released because that was what the cowboys told us, and that was what the cowboys told Tony Romo was that he would be released, and the stage was set for this sort of uh, final, you know, act for this bow at the end of the show for Tony Romo, to the point that that Romo went and made that Instagram video that Sean wrote about on the side. You, know, you if you're listening, you can go watch it. There, it was, it's really heartfelt, and he's listening to Bob Dylan and gets your heartstrings all, you know, a fluttering and everything. And I, I think that there's some. Some disconnect. There, there's not the same common denominator happening with all of of this information. Because if you know all the ducks were in a row for Romo to be released uh, on Thursday, then why did Ian Rappaport report that Tony, that Jerry Jones, excuse me, said that he was never going to waive Tony Romo? So how could how could that have been the case when they told Tony himself that he would be released on Thursday? It just seems like like Jerry might have at, at the last second. And and this is just speculation might have said, you know what, I'm not going to go out that way. I'm going to make sure I can milk this cow for all it's worth and, and, you know, get something in in return for me as opposed to just making everybody else happy.
2: Yeah, but there's another side to that as well, and it's is Jerry Jones that we're talking about. So, you know, like I said, he's the hype machine when it comes to the NFL, and when he comes out yesterday saying we're going to cut Tony Romo in the morning, that could just be a threat, if nothing else, just to try to further drive up any value for him to to, to propose that there's going to be a bidding war of some kind for him if he's on the open market and that teams can get in early by offering a trade and avoid all of that mess, which could potentially end up being more expensive than his contract already is, at $14 million. And let's make that very clear. $14 million is the trade value for Tony Romo in 2017.
0: I would love so much if it was this big coup that everybody was in on and even even Tony said you know I'll make a I'll make an Instagram video you know I'll I'll help you out that way everybody thinks I, you know I'm on my way out but you know, yeah. you, you mentioned that $14 million figure. I am a big fan of trading Tony Romo because it forces the Cowboys to not be able to use that June 1st designation. I do not want that, uh, you know, affecting the 2018 salary cap. I Even if he is outright released, I would prefer personally uh, that the Cowboys just eat it all this season. That way you have two years of Dak Prescott on a rookie contract to work with financially and, you know, bring in help then as opposed to limiting yourself with, with more of the Romo residual damage.
2: Yeah, that is one way to go. What do you think, Sean?
1: I hope I'm not, you know, overblowing or overstating this, and you guys can speak more to this as far as being around when these Cowboys teams were doing these things I'm I'm going to mention. But, you know, Jerry Jones obviously has always struck me as a guy who's a great businessman and a guy who's going to go into the Hall of Fame not only because of the success he's had with the Dallas Cowboys, but because of the impact that he's had as the GM and the owner of the Cowboys and as the Cowboys as a business. And, you know, when they were winning, you read about the fact that, you know, they went out and signed guys like Deion Sanders and they made big trades, and ultimately those moves led to this team winning a Super Bowl. And as far as my time following this team, this is the closest they've been in my following to a Super Bowl. And I'm I'm sitting here watching Jerry, you know, be able to try to use Romo now as that final piece to actually get something out of, out of this backup quarterback, which is basically what he is for the Cowboys. There's no denying that Prescott is QB1 and Romo is QB2. And yet here's Jerry trying to turn QB2 into a valuable asset for the team moving forward because there's no easy way to move on from Tony Romo. But if it helps the Cowboys in the long run, we're all going to be for it. We're all going to feel a little bit less worse when it comes to, you know, the remorse of actually having Romo starting somewhere else and, we're all going to watch Romo on his new team, and we're going to watch the Cowboys hopefully be better because of it. It just doesn't get any more perfect than that, and we could be just a few hours or a few days or a few weeks, nobody really knows, from finding out that conclusion. But that's really, you know, the start of the news today, where we're heading, and it could be very exciting
2: it definitely could be and you know for those of us who have followed the Cowboys for 20 plus years we know that Jerry Jones came from the oil industry made his money the hard way and when you get into it when you when you talk about negotiations and the skill involved in being able to negotiate you get into oil speculation different things like that i mean there's really no better proving ground than that so i think he's definitely carried that over to the cowboys pretty well and i think that the cowboys are definitely going to be okay when it comes time for september as much as we all may be freaking out a little bit over what is and is not happening today and tomorrow and through the weekend and the second week i don't think that we actually have anything to worry about but as always, only time will tell, so let's go ahead and let some of that time tick away. I appreciate you guys for joining us today. You can follow Sean Martin at Shore Sports NJ. that's NJ like New Jersey, on Twitter. And you can follow R.J. Ochoa at R.J. Ochoa on Twitter and on Periscope. And you can also follow him on Ocho Live, which he does every day. And this is a live stream he does from Periscope and Facebook Live every day covering anything going on in the NFL primarily Cowboy stuff around 3 o'clock, uh, schedule permitting. Um, also check him out on uh, ESPN San Antonio, where he uh, often co-hosts or joins the guys on the Blitz in the afternoons from uh, 11 to 2. Is that right, RJ?
0: Yeah, whatever, whatever, you know, 3 a.m., we make it work, you know, just whatever's going on. You know, whenever yeah, sh- whenever Sean's not keeping me up, you know? Yeah, well, he does that a lot, doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> I
1: did my best,
2: all right well guys i appreciate it thank you very much for joining us and um to the listeners we will follow up when there is more to follow up on i'm sure the tony romo deal is going to be epic and we'll be here to tell you all about it so for now have a good one and go cowboys Is brought to you by InsideTheStar.com and Slant Sports Digital. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered JumbaCasino.com.
1: It's my little escape.
2: Now Judy's the life of the party.
1: Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon.
2: Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs>